Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch. Well, some of the crowd are on the pitch. They think it's all over, but it is now. On today's show here at Pod of Two Halves Towers, we are gripped. Gripped with a fever, a football fever, by the name of It's Coming Home. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pod of Two Arse, the footballing podcast brought to you by the Sports Social Podcast Network. And today is 126 episodes in now. Does that make sense? I don't think so, but fuck it, I'm going with it anyway. And as this intro probably indicates, we're going to be predominantly talking about the quarterfinals of Euro 2020, even though we're in 2021. As usual, I'm of course joined by our Madrid-based senior Michael Carden Edwards over there. As well as our slightly closer to home Essex based Mr. Thomas Woods. Boys, are you buzzing like me? How can you not be, mate? Like, it's tantalising. I feel, I feel like what Gary Lineker clearly was feeling like at full time. A little bit giddy, like genuinely full of belief, but not wanting to kind of put it all out there on national TV. So it basically <laughs> explodes in his face. But it, it was fascinating to watch at full time. This just glee in Lineker because he can't believe that it's, it's actually it actually might be coming home. It's incredible. How about you, Mark? I was um, I was a little bit. Um, I wasn't as like you know away with the fairies as everyone else was after the Germany game. Um, I was obviously very happy, but I was also still a little bit concerned as to the performances in the tournament so far. Now, obviously, I know that in in tournament football, you don't want to peak too early. You know what I mean? You want to you want to get into the tournament. You want to start maybe maybe not slowly. No one wants to start slowly, but you start with a solid defensive base as we did, and then creep into the tournament. So you hit your peak in and around the latter stages. And I fear, I fear, I feel that is what our brave three lions are doing (laughs) as we speak. Okay, that game that we played, 
the other day against the Ukraine was a was was a fucking wonderful wonderful game. Um, first half I wasn't particularly. I was a little. We were look. Don't you not get? We were comfortable the entire time, right? I never felt any danger. There was no stress. There was no nerves. It was wonderful, right? Aided obviously by a very early goal. Um, but it was just basically job done. Thank you very much. Running up the score in a uh, in, in basically a quarter final. Thank you. On our way to the semis, having not conceded a goal. Can, can, can I ask? Did you uh, did you sign to watch it in the English commentary, or did you go with Spanish to take off the, maybe the nerves? Do you uh, no, really so know I, what's going on? I started in English, and um, I was tired of it in English quite quickly due to uh, Jermaine Jenas. Uh, generally, yes. Um, spoiler alert: He's my chump of the week uh, because <laughs> he made me just get angry with his misinformation around Kyle Walker and Jaden Sancho's training together at Man City. Um, it's just complete nonsense. Do your research, mate. You're literally being broadcast to millions of people, right? Make sure you know what you're talking about. He clearly doesn't. Um, so yeah, then I switched to Spanish commentary. It's a lot more exciting, and um, yeah, it, it was it was it was it was quite fun because when someone scores, it's like oh, go 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 Harry Kane Kane Kane. It's like this is this is one. <laughs> this is all I need right now. Perfect. So yeah, good times had by all. Fair enough. Um, I got a feeling that Jermaine Genius was trying to be the smartest guy in the room when he said that comment. Like, ah, oh, see, I know that Jaden Sancho was at Man City around this time, and I, I just basically put him two and two <laughs> together without actually looking further into this. I'm just basically going to be the smart guy because you all think he just plays at Dortmund, but I know, I know, because I'm a smart guy. Wrong. Right, Jermaine Genius. We are in a devastating position, by the way, because um, as pointed out by uh, Daryl on our, on our on our Twitter feed, we are in a position where we've got to pick between BBC and Genius, or ITV, and um, God help me with the ITV Matterface, Matterface and Dixon. Ah, mm. oh, Jesus Christ! We've got Michael here attempting to talk to us, but I don't think he realises he's muted there, so maybe he would... I was on mute. I was on mute. I was just going to say, Matterface (laughs) is a genuinely dreadful, dreadful, dreadful commentator. And I remember before the tournament, we were looking at the lineups of the pundits on our WhatsApp group, and the the prevailing thought was, where's Lee Dixon? What's he going to be doing? Because everyone was like, oh, I quite like Dicko. No issue with Dicko. No, mate. No, 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 no. Right? abysmal this tournament sounds like he doesn't want to be there he's got the Laurenton vibes without the Laurenton amusingness okay this is the thing I've always been a fan of Lee Dixon and I was yeah. I remember when we were talking about like in our whatsapp chat you know yeah. oh, the, here's like the BBC team here's the ITV team and the first thing I said was where's Lee Dixon because I, I quite enjoy listening to him and I, I wonder if it is Sam Matterface bringing his game down. Well, well this is it, right? Because <laughs> you've got Clive Tildesley and Ali McCoy, who are obviously, Wonderful. you know, they're 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 the top of the tree, right? And, and now, for the record, you know, we're not we're not really Tildesley fans, are we? We were quite happy. Yeah. This is what I was going to say, right? Clive Tildesley, I hate the guy, right? Because everything is a poetic drama with his pre-scripted lines and it's, oh, on tonight, of all the nights, the England fans are, you know, and it's just all like, and it's against San Marino and he's trying to make it sound like some epic (laughs) fucking love story. And it's like, come on, mate, you know what? Just enjoy the game. When he's got Ali McCoyce next to him, it seems to relax him somehow where they just genuinely have some, like, genuine banter between them like some back and forth and it's all very light hearted they, they sound like they're enjoying 
what it, they're doing. Do you think taking just, him out of the main chair that he's now not so serious that maybe because he was the main guy he felt he had to behave nah, as the main guy? I, I think it is Ali McCoy's having a big I mean, Ali McCoy's is Ali McCoy's is a, is a genuinely quite yeah. funny guy, isn't he? He's yeah, a, I mean, he's got charisma oozing mm. all over the place, right? I mean, he is... There's a reason why he was obviously on our TVs in the 90s and early 2000s on the, A Question of Sport, right? Because he, he was perfect for that role. Um, yeah, it, it, that is the, the, the prime combination this tournament. We're not going to get it because they're going to go with Matterface, who's going to be garbage in, in the final. Uh, but I'm just going to put you on the spot as well, just whilst we're talking about the BBC and ITV. We also mm. did chat about the record of when England oh. are on either of these channels. And the BBC is quite more favourable than it is ITV. And, of course, our next game, which we will talk about later, is actually on ITV. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I've always thought... Are we scared? Are we scared I... that, you know, this could actually happen? It's like they've won four times on ITV <laughs> over the past, like, whatever it is. So a couple since, of it's, it's since France 98. Oh, um, ITV have had 24 games oh. on their show on their channel they've we've won four of them lost eight and drew 12 on the Beeb, play 22 won 15 lost four drawn three history says right we go when you're, in, when you're in front of Shearer and Lineker you're performing when you're in front of Mark fucking Pugats or back in the day Adrian Childs yeah oh, or Townsend of his fucking truck yeah no one wants to be there See, I've always thought of, uh, that there was something to it. I remember even as a kid growing up, it always seemed that we'd be knocked out of competitions because we were on ITV. And it, Look, the numbers bear out. I don't know if it's a case that they just happened to get the games. Uh, that you know, The teams that would be knocked out against, at least in the early 2000s, was Portugal, Brazil, Portugal, wasn't it? Right. So they were tough, tough outs. Uh, but right. I, I looked at I, The other day, I looked at that Portugal team, right? Which one? The uh, 06 or 04? The 06 one. Okay, yeah. Garbage. It's a dreadful, dreadful, dreadful team. How on earth we lost to that team is amazing. Well, Wayne Wayne Rooney got sent off, didn't he? It doesn't matter. We should have played them off the park with the talent in that that squad. Again, horrendous management. And that's one thing... I'm pretty sure John Terry as well was having a way of Wayne Bridges' misses probably (laughs) by this point as well. Probably doesn't help. But to kind of, I suppose, to to sum up before we go into the show, the one thing I would say, you know, in terms of um, Southgate, I'm not a fan. I I haven't been a fan. I felt like since the the World Cup, I felt like we were very favourable in the World Cup. I didn't think we played too many good teams. And um, I, I wasn't as... I was obviously, you know, up for it and kind of it's coming home back then. But we're looking back on it. It... Yeah, I don't think we played particularly too well, you know. Um, and as a result, the expectations were a lot lower. Going they were into really uh, absolutely. Um, and then since then, and all the friendlies and the qualify, qualifiers and stuff like that, I've seen a few, you know, poncing around with different systems and things like that, and that really hasn't blown me away. I haven't really been excited watching England for quite a long time. And going into this tournament, expectation is there. And I've, I've been worried about it. I haven't, I've been like, this ain't the guy. We need someone that's got some tactical nails about him. He's a bit more. Turns out, turns out, your boy, yeah? What, what do I do on this show, boys? Yeah? I admit when I'm wrong. I admit when I maybe have made an error in judgment. I'm man enough to, 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 <laughs> to, to look at my mistakes in the mirror and say, hello, Mr. Mistake, you're a mistake. 
I would like to take you back, please, if possible. Look, is he the greatest manager since sliced bread? Sliced bread, if you know, managed Florian Albert to the Hungarian League back in '67. Uh, <laughs> um, look, he's not going to win manager of the year from a tactical perspective. He's not reinventing the beautiful game. But what he is doing, and what's very evident, is that he's managing a squad um, pretty pretty well, pretty effectively, I would say. Being able to bring in a Jaden Sancho, for example, at that point, um, is nice. He's got Rice and um, Phillips. Who'd, who'd have thought they'd, they'd have made an effective partnership? I, I want to say on, on the note of Southgate, and I know we're probably going into this probably a bit too much and should save it for later. However, I think Southgate was showing this um, in the 2018 World Cup and it was one of the first sort of beneficiaries, I think, of us going into a tournament and handling the media way better than what we've done in the past. And he's continued that in this tournament as well. And I feel like that's something that England uh, English managers in the past, they've, they've, str- they've struggled to find that balance. I mean, Capello had the players locked away in 2010, didn't he? Did, did you hear about Capello and the beer story? What's this Go one? On. So um, on the, is it the, I might... I, Finer details may be missing here, but the general gist of it. Um, it well, I think it was before the last game, or one of the games in the... What was the last tournament he was at? 2010 World Cup, right? right? Hodgson took over 2012. Yeah. Right. In that in that tournament, right, before the game, I think it was the night before, or, or of the day, or not of the day, it's ridiculous, he said to the guys, you can have a beer with dinner if you want. And the players were just like, What? Obviously, Capello was Colonel Strict, right? Literally, okay. like, what on earth? No right? butter on And he toast. basically said, uh, yeah, no butter on toast. Do you know what I mean? Like, was it no sauce of the chicken and all that yeah. nonsense, right? Um, and he offered the players the opportunity to have a beer or a wine with dinner. And apparently, the players, from that moment, went, he's done. Because he was, tr- at that point, they realised he was desperate, trying to get something out of them. And they were just like, he's going against... Right, like, see, li- yeah. like, we... You know, you are a hard bastard, but at least we respect the fact that you have, you know, certain principles and rules and stuff. And now you're completely going against it for like a desperation Hail Mary. And apparently none of the players took him up on it either. It's interesting. It's an interesting one, right? I, 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 who said that? Was it Crouch that came out and said that in the papers the, the other day? It would be Crouch, um, right? And he said it just made them all feel really, really uncomfortable. Um which isn't, it's not really what you want. Was, was there right? an element that they were scared that if they did drink, then go, Capello, Capello would be like, yes. You're not listening to me, are you? <laughs> and if, that, if that's the fear, got you. <laughs> if that's the fear, that's not a great environment, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from, from this is the camaraderie amongst the, the entire group. It's not just that yeah. the guys in the pitch and the, the players that get on, it's everyone. Like you see, like Ben Chilwell hasn't seen the grouse yet and he's like all about basically uh, the group um, with Southgate hugging Southgate full-time. There's no one moping. Right? Everyone- this is what, sorry, this is what Southgate said at full-time, right? When he, when he was interviewed um, on the BBC afterwards and they were saying like, you know, how are you, you know, how are you doing this? And he, and he refused to kind of say much about the game itself, but he was just talked a lot about the team spirit and the yeah. fact that, you know, the hardest deceit, because I think Lineker was like, um, you know, how did you settle on this team selection tonight? Because, you know, in, like in the first game, no one, no Englishman would have given that team selection. Like, how did you do this? Why did you do this? And he said, the hardest part of this job is the three guys that don't get to make the squad. Mm. And he goes, that's the thing that keeps him up at night. That's the thing that he's struggling mm. with because none of them deserve it because they're all putting in such good shifts in training. The atmosphere is so good. When's the last time you read about an atmosphere like like this in an England squad? Yeah. You know, it's probably 96. 
And we can and all, even then, and that, so we can even look at someone like France, who's by all accounts has the opposite correct. of that, and you can see maybe why they they got knocked out early. Well, we yeah. read the uh, transcripts, yeah. right? <laughs> it's a great transcript it really is exceptional but I, I think that there is something to it because um, when you do look at the, the s- successful tournaments obviously it's successful for England was reaching semi-finals um, 90 they seemed there was a good rapport with, with Robson obviously 96 mm. with, with Venables I think that they all really got along with Venables you see it now when they talk about it and talk to him Subsequently, the guys that came in, like you say, they, I think Capello is a perfect example of not understanding that. Um, Ericsson, equally, wasn't capable of creating that that atmosphere. And I think when you look at the teams that are progressing through the tournament, um, Italy, I think you see that there, there's a proper camaraderie amongst the, mm, the entire definitely. squad there. Um, I think that obviously Denmark is a perfect example of um, uh, triumph through tragedy, right? The, the, the situation... Yeah, it brought them together as strong as a group, and now that you can see that they're um, they're using it as fuel to power themselves through the the tournament, and I think that Spain, everyone got on the back of Enrique a little bit, didn't they, about leaving big names, Madrid players not in the squad, etc. But he clearly focused on the fact that I want the group, right? I'm, I don't care about the names; it's all about the whole, um, and clearly that was a focus, and he's obviously um, benefiting from that as well. So. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Southgate's big, biggest success is uh, being able to uh, put a squad out, um, rotate that squad because we're in so comfortably, still not put Grealish on the pitch, still not put Foden on the pitch, and then two players be fine with it. You know, you see it full time. that It was almost like Southgate was straight over to, his, to Grealish arm around him and probably going, look, I didn't need you tonight. The game was done. But when we played Denmark on Wednesday... It may well be a tighter affair, and I'm going to need you to be able to come in and hit the ground and do what you did against Germany to turn the game in our favour. And I think that it, I think that being honest is a key thing as well with the players. And it seems that I think that there's a reason why we tend to know the squad well in advance of of match day. It's because I think that he's been honest to the players with the plan and everything, and I think the players really respond well to that. Okay. Well, you only have to see like uh, Sancho in interviews, right? Before, like he was desperate to play against Germany. Um, it's very very apparent he was desperate to play against Germany, but there's no there's no bad feelings about it. Didn't get to play. That's fine. I'll wait for my next chance and I'll show people what I can do. Then I can, I'll show the manager. I'll be full on full on it. You know, and he and he played well. You know, so uh, you got to respect it. You got to respect squad harmony, keeping players fresh. Um, you know, we're at semi final stage and you've got a bang on fresh Foden and Grealish. I'll take it. Yeah, um, absolutely. I feel like yeah, we'll we'll chat a bit more about England later on. Um, I guess I want to crack on into the, the first round of quarterfinal games, uh, which was uh, Spain-Switzerland, followed that then by Belgium-Italy on the... Was it on the Friday? It was Friday, It was yeah. on the Friday. Um, obviously, we mentioned the unfancy Spanish beforehand. They they scraped... I say, I'm say i going to go... Yeah, I'm going to say they scraped uh, a penalty shootout win against Switzerland. I didn't really get to watch much of this game. Would Mikey, help yeah, me Yeah, um... Spain got, um, I mean, Spain scored very early through, I think it, it went down as an own goal, which I think was a little bit harsh, to be fair. The, the this goal, is a carrier, right? Yeah, the, the ball was goal-bound, or at least on target. Would it have gone in without it? Arguably not. But um, it felt at that moment, Spain were probably going to see it through. They, they've been tough. Uh, they're always tough to play against in tournament football because if they get a goal, they're very good at retaining possession, and that's what they were doing for the most part, especially in the first half. Not the most 
uh, aesthetically pleasing or exciting uh, football match that you get. But there was a lot of kind of retaining the possession. But then Switzerland equalised. Um, and then the whole game sort of had a swinging moment when Michael Oliver, representing the Premier <laughs> League perfectly, uh, sent a player off for what was a... Look, it was a hard it, it, tackle. It, it was for a tackle. Uh, it was a hard tackle, but it was a tackle. Um, I'd say hard as pushing it. Yeah, look, it's a football tackle. It's just if he gives a yellow there, it, I don't think, I think it's a touch hard. about it. Yeah, you know, and the, the the fact it was a red card and then it gets reviewed, and the guy that's reviewing it is also uh, an English official <laughs> and decides not to overturn it. Just tells you everything that's wrong with English football. We, we, we bang on about it all the time. The fact is, the wor- we've got the best league in the world. We know we're so proud of the best league in the world. This, that, and the other. But we've got the worst officiating teams, and uh, that was highlighted perfectly in that. But the, the Swiss guided it out big time um, into extra time. And the Spain had moments, but Sommer was just always there to answer the call. So the game gets the penalties, and Switzerland had won a penalty shootout literally that week against the French. So they've got to be feeling confident mm. about things. And they start, I think they had uh, two opportunities to really run it home, because I think Spain missed, uh, was it two of their first three kicks, I think, in the shootout? Um, yeah, they, they missed the first one, didn't they? Yeah, and you kind of think at that point, wow. Uh, Switzerland are going to be in a because their penalties the other night against France were exceptional. They were just finding corner, 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 and they just seemed to just fall to pieces. Uh, it was a bizarre thing to watch that <laughs> the penalties that they took, was, which were so excellent uh, on Monday, were just dreadful on Friday. And um, Spain get through, um, not pretty, but there'll be a problem. Um, they're still creating chances; they're just not taking them. That's that's been their that's basically their tournament. The rattle was hold off again, wasn't it? Or hold off, should I say? Um, yeah. On like you know, on the hour mark. I see Mikey's just perked up to his screen there as well. <laughs> I thought you were going to come in with something. I've no, no, I have nothing to say. Like, mate, I give the movement was like you know, it, it was sudden, and it's like I'm going to come in here with something. Oh yeah, they said Morata. It's time to, to murder this guy. <laughs> Look, Morata is what Morata is. If you put the ball in the air, he's deadly. But if you put him through one on one, he's just basically going to like shit himself and just completely like fumble the opportunity. That's just him. That was him at Chelsea. It's it's just him in general. Um, they will still be a problem for whoever you know the Italians in the semi final. It's that they won't be an easy team to play against because they are a difficult team to play against. Um, they've got good ball players, which against an Italian team which press high. It gives them the opportunity of beating the press to get their players in. It's, it's going to be a fascinating contest. And, and again, it's Pedri Giza, man. Like, he's how old is he? Is he. You, he's, are he's, you enjoying him? He's incredible. Like, he is incredible. Like, bearing in mind that I think, was he 17 years old, isn't he? I think Pedri. Um, and he plays in, in that sort of midfield area. But he, for a player of his age, he looks so composed with the ball. He's sort of ticks things out over. It's, he looks like a real star uh, in the making. Um, Do you want to hear some fun things about Pedri? Let's hear about it. So, Pedri has 12 months remaining on his current term, right? Oh. Right. So, and this right, is a uh, Barcelona, now, yeah? This yeah. is Barcelona. Now, yeah. the key is, right, the club have the option to, to extend Pedri's deal for, for a further two years. And you'd think... Get it done. Click the button, yeah? yeah. Trigger extension. However, if they, uh, if they do that, the, his buyout clause will remain 
at 70 million euros for the next two years, three years, in fact, right? That, and if he continues progressing in the way, uh, in the way that he, that he is, all of a sudden 70 million looks like a nice prospect for a PSG, Man City, whoever, right? So they're in a really tricky situation because it's not as if they would have the money to be able to give him a massive salary increase, which they would need to do if they were to give him a new contract. So Barcelona, the, the club that are already just beaning off Umtiti and Pjanic on freeze, as in ripping up their contracts to get them off of the books. Uh, I mean, what are they? What, what a rock and hard place this is. Either lose him on a free in 12 months or somehow find some money down the back of the sofa to ward. Apparently Liverpool are interested as well. It's a really tricky decision for this guy, especially the fact that in a Spain team where there are few shining lights, he is the one that's shining brightest for them as well, en route to a semi-final of the European Championships. Oh. What I wanted to ask, Mikey, um, on the back of obviously you living in Spain, and I know last time we spoke you said, well, I don't read or listen to Spanish so much, but is there, is there a feeling in the air now maybe that's, now they've reached the semi-finals that they could do it? I haven't really felt it. If I'm honest with you, I haven't really felt it. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't really. I don't really. The the thing is, so after Spain won the uh, World Cup and they won the Euros twice in the World Cup once, right? Is mm-hmm. that is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so before that, um, if you were to display the Spanish flag in your home, like you know, like when knuckleheads have an England flag in their fucking front garden, you're like I love you're how you, you describe you. them as knuckleheads. <laughs> it's a good explanation of them. Um, if you if you did that um, before Spain won those tournaments, because Spain were the chokers, right? They they you know they yeah. never really did anything, right? Um, who's the the big mafia guy of Spain? The um, one that Real Madrid are linked to, um, Franco. Exactly right. Yeah. So if you were displaying a Spanish flag in your home like that, you are essentially a supporter, right, of Franco's regime, where it's very much nationalist. Mm not very nice essentially after the success of the spanish football team it became a lot more commonplace to have your flag and literally you walk down any street in spain any single one somewhere somehow there will be a spanish flag either from a balcony from a terrace in a window it's like a thing you have your spanish flag and it's proud and it's not a symbol of um it's not a negative connotation people don't no one takes it in a negative way it's you know what i'm proud of my country for, for better or for worse, I'm just proud to be Spanish. Um, England obviously aren't there yet with that, I don't think. Because I, like I said, I just I see an England flag in a front room and I, and I just think, ah, Brexit. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, um, Spanish, obviously, they, they, they've kind of gotten over that, the negative connotation of doing that, as far as I understand. Um, have I seen an increase of Spanish flags? Not really. But everyone's already really, everywhere you go, everyone is so proud to be Spanish. And it's, there's a real togetherness about it it doesn't feel fractured it doesn't feel people are at odds with each other i mean obviously this is a different story if you go to barcelona with catalonia and the the, the interesting you took the words uh, out of my mouth dynamics here. there um you know that's that's a completely different kettle of, fi- kettle of fish right everyone hates catalonians here <laughs> everyone does across all of spain they're the enemy right um it's basically a civil war so if i move to barcelona i may be telling you a different story but in madrid dude it's just I haven't really noticed an increase because everyone is already really proud. The, the, I can't, like, I was, again, speaking to my girlfriend a lot about what 
winning those tournaments meant for Spanish people. And it really just changed the lives of people here. It really changed the outlook of country in terms of we are proud of our country, well, that's, proud to be Spanish. That's something Southgate's almost alluded to in, I think, in his uh, chats today, because he's talking about bringing the country together if we actually win this thing. And, you know, you, you could envisage it, you know, it could sort of almost paper over the cracks of like, you know, as we mentioned, Brexit. Well, this is the issue, right? And I'm sure we were going to get onto this at some point, right? We had a chat today in our WhatsApp group about all of this. I have one issue with us winning the fucking Euros. <laughs> I have one massive issue. And that's if the fucking politicians decide to use it for political gain. They're already doing it, right? Priti Patel is already sitting there saying, come on, boys, just coming home. And it's like, hang on a second. Hang on a second. If, if you were in charge right, of, of all of the England lineups destinies, three of them would be starting. Yeah. Three of them. Like you'd have deported every like you'd have deported basically the, the majority of this team, right? And now you want to support them. You've already said that um, you don't mind if people boo taking the knee, and it's just like they're just going to use it. They're going to use it and say, "Look what happened. Look at what we did. Look at this is under our regime. We won the Euros. We're the best best country in the world." Blah 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 blah. blah. And it's just going to be miserable. I'm going to have to watch Boris Johnson parroting around that basically he scored the goals in the European final. It's it's going to be miserable. It's going to be absolutely miserable. And I, don't, I genuinely don't think I can handle it, if I'm honest with you. It's going to be a horrible, horrible place to be. Do you know what I mean? Because on one hand, you're going to have all these wonderful memories, woods for your kids, right? You're going to, mm. you, that's something that you're going to be talking about to them when, when they're older, when they've grown up. You know what I mean? Um, you know, where were you when England finally won a tournament? And it's like, well, I remember where I was. I was in the middle of a fucking the worst government in history. And uh, they basically then politicised it for the next fucking 20 years. And that's why we've got no agreements with everyone, because everyone still fucking hates us. So it's like, this is why your loaf of bread this morning cost nine quid. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that European Championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? We haven't, had fr- we haven't had fresh fruit for like five years now. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, we we, st- we did talk about it, um, and I did liken an opportunity because there will be a photo call. Uh, there was, I think, when we won the Ashes in '05, right? They they all went into uh, Downing Street and had a bit of a party, etc. And there will no doubt be a photo call for, for from Boris with the players, and the players have an opportunity to really make a a stand. Um, now, the Golden State Warriors almost something of the opposite potentially yeah. of a stand yeah exactly exactly I mean you've got the opportunity of basically agreeing as a team we ain't going I think the Philadelphia Eagles did that and I think the Golden State Warriors did that to Trump um, or you have the opportunity to go one further and, and that is you turn up for the photo call and you will take the knee um, which would be per- more perfect I think in that scenario which I think which would, would be because that, that photo will last exactly. forever right it will show the fact that um you were against us through this, right? And we don't forget that. Um, if you if you if you basically booed the players for taking a stand against racism, I don't think you should be allowed to enjoy anything of this because no. the players don't want to know you. Mm. That's basically the facts, right? So, what's your what's your stance on um, booing other teams' national anthems? It's, it's grim. I fucking hate it. I've ha- I I do not get because the thing is, if you flip it the other way. And England are playing away in some country, and their national our national anthems being booed. The the gammon would be up in arms, but they're okay to deal it out. It pisses me off. I hate it. It's just it's I, so I, I disrespectful. Think, I think this scummy, is something right? quite worldwide, though. 
Maybe, well, certainly in Europe, whenever you see England and qualifiers, I always find there's an aspect of booing, unless it's like an absolute minnow and they've got no fans. Because everyone hates England, because basically we brought, Europe, we brought violence across Europe. Well, exactly, and, but what I'm, <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that almost kind of, I think it just comes to both, both, both sides, both nations, that I think they'll always, yeah. they'll always be booing of the national anthems. If we play Italy and we boo their national anthem, oh, mate, we're going to be furious. The best anthem in the world, but yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of Italy, actually, before we go and talk about Italy, I feel like we'll slip in a break now, and then after that break, we're going to try chat about the Italy as they've obviously they beat the Spanish, okay? So, yes. Belgium, Italy. I'm I'm intrigued to see where this chat goes because obviously last week Mikey you had a you had a little bit of rant about a certain striker for Belgium and oh. he I oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you, you'll notice I you'll notice I have edited this show okay I went through and bleeped out all of my swear words okay because I I felt bad about that because I was like I, well, I did kind of attack him. I attacked him a bit personally there. Um, well, yes, you did. The sentiment is the same, right? The, sen- the sentiment is the same. I think he's a useless... I'm about to say, what I have does, it doesn't matter if you bleep out those, those, those swear words, because we all know what you're kind of getting at anyway. Um, okay, I guess I'll go to Woods first, though, on this, because I know you've been a bit... you kind of written off Belgium before the tournament, and we've uh-huh. all kind of got behind Italy. And ultimately, that's the way the, the game went. It went 2-1 Italy. Belgium, yeah. though, I, I almost feel like Belgium, whilst Italy won it, I feel like Belgium kind of lost it as well, if that makes sense. There was, I feel like it's a very much 50-50 thing. Um, I, I don't agree. No. I, I think, no, I, I think Italy were exceptional. I, I really do. They basically, uh, from the off, they, they kind of took the game. Um, they were like, we're going to play on the front foot. They had the opportunities. They scored the goals. Obviously, they had one initially ruled out correctly for offside. It was marginal, but it was. And um, really, they just basically run it down their throat. The only impressive play at times, Kevin De Bruyne still blows my mind. By the way, I can't get over how uh, fast uh, that guy is for having a serious Achilles injury, as he was telling us at full time. I, I should clarify, was um, before you crack on. Like in terms of the way I introduced that was, whilst Italy did dominate, and I think they completely deserved yeah. the win, I still feel like Belgium they kind of shot themselves in the foot. And there was a, obviously maybe a certain striker that you know we berated last week that I do feel was at fault for that. But I guess obviously you want to look at maybe from the Italian perspective first. Yeah, because I think you've got to credit them for how good they are. They, they are just so good. Um, they pass the ball around so elegantly at times. They press in such a, a well-timed and aggressive manner. Um, and basically, like, the, what I will say is that you know, I want to talk about Lukaku. The one lasting memory I've got in my mind is him basically shushing Donnarumma after scoring a penalty. Uh, <laughs> it's like in a game they lost. When they were 2 0 down as well. When, when he did, he had the opportunity, right? Uh, I, I talk about it. Like, I don't feel that Belgium really had much of the game, but they, he had the opportunity at the back post. It was a good block by Spinazzola, but obviously uh, Lukaku should have just simply buried it. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I think Belgium are what we thought they were. Really, um, a team that have some star players that's got an aging backline. The aging backline did not get out for um, uh, it was Insigne's uh, wonderful strike. They just basically stood there on their 18 yard box and said, Yeah, no, have a go. He's been trying to hit that all tournament, all tournament. That's Mm. all he's been doing coming inside onto his right foot, looking to bend one in. And basically, the first time that he had no pressure on him, he delivered. Um, And that really was a death knell. The penalty wasn't a penalty. 
Let's be real. The only goal that Belgium scored was because of a dreadful decision. There were two dreadful decisions that day, the red card and then the penalty. And fortunately, it didn't cost Italy the game. Um, I thought what it was worth, I actually thought it was, uh, I thought it was a penalty. A soft one, but I can see once it was me. given. No, it's defending, wasn't it? It's just basically leveraging. <laughs> I, 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 if, you, if that had gone against England, if we get one of those against us and it costs us the game, Lee... I, I think TVs across the nation will be in, in serious peril. Uh, I, I do want to say, who was the geezer that was playing uh, left wing for them? Um, Doku, for Belgium. Oh, what a player The guy that got fouled right? for the penalty, right? Yeah, he, he basically fell over. Um, <laughs> I don't even think he thought it was a penalty. Uh, but like he was exceptional. He was there only, other than De Bruyne and his running, uh, their start, shining light. Um, he, he is a real star boy because... He's got that rare ability where he moves at speed, but the ball's not like kick and run. You know, the ball is constantly under his spell and he, he looked like he could go either way as well. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of Europe's elite clubs would have taken note. Um, some great scouting um, by, I can't think of who the team is he plays. because he moved, like, Was it Ren? Yeah. Uh, it's for 20 million they signed him last year, which is rather astute because his value is just to the moon at this point. Um, so there's one positive, but I look at Bobby Martinez and I'm just like, you've wasted this group much like Sven wasted ours, right? That, that That's just the facts of it. Um, and the Belgium well, FA have come out and said there's no reason to replace him. He can stay on. Whoops. Well, that's the World Cup gone then. Uh, because ultimately, that, and the thing is, is after this, because... Uh, Golden generations don't come around. I hate the term really anyway, because really you're only a golden generation if you actually win stuff. Um, but this this so-called golden generation of Belgium, it's not like they've got a history of having exceptional teams. Bro, this is what I said last week. Um, this is, they've been top of the rankings for like a thousand days, something mad, right? Without without winning anything. And it's, uh, Belgium don't have a pedigree of producing these players. They're basically, that this won't happen for maybe another hundred years. Well, that like Hazard, De Bruyne, Lukaku, you know, Vincent Company to a degree, obviously. Yeah. You know, no. Like, that's like a, a Courtois and goal. You know, th- this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen again. Yeah. Like, they've fucked it. They've absolutely fucked it. They had their opportunity. They really did. Um, and I think yeah, the, the term fucked it is a perfect term to describe them. They've just genuinely blown it. Yeah, you look against uh, Wales five years ago. To go into that game in a quarterfinal against Wales and you lose 3-1. That's, that's just embarrassing. And they did that. It felt like, look, I'm sure Belgium will probably look at that game against France in the World Cup semi-final and feel like they were unfortunate. But don't be fucking unfortunate, right? It's too many excuses. And again, like they've fallen way short this time as well. And I, I never really felt that they were going to be anything. They, they relied so heavily on Kevin De Bruyne being fit. That was their, their. He's basically the entire heartbeat of that entire team, which is why when, when we, we spoke about who's player of the tournament, and you know, rightly so at the time, I think it was, this was before this round um, about Pogba and how exceptional he'd been. But Kevin De Bruyne, in the, the games that he played, had comfortably been the best player of the tournament. The problem was he just hasn't played enough. Um, now, hopefully for for Pep and Man City's uh, that he isn't too badly dinged up because obviously he was complaining at full time about the fact that he was hurt. Um, I don't know how hurt he was because he did seem to be moving pretty well. But he wasn't moving so well those last ten minutes, mate. He, was... he looked tired. Mm. I mean, he? Kevin De Bruyne in that game lost the ball more times than he had completed passes. That says everything you need to know about Kevin De Bruyne and the state of his um, 
body, let's just say, because he usually... I think he's trying to force it, though, because with City, he's got got those nice outlets. I think that he felt, especially going into the second half, is that he was like, I've got to fucking drag this team at this point. And I I feel there was an element of desperation in the last 10 minutes with Belgium where they almost went England Euro 2016 and it was just aimless hoofs up front. Yeah, yeah. But Um, let's talk about the real story. Um, Lukaku is dreadful. (laughs) Well, mate, this is is your platform for you, mate. Mate, I heard, I heard, right, I I said this last week, I heard that Syria has made him a better striker. He's got to get one in one, right? Gets one chance, one goal. He has to score it, right? Really, really, Ron? Is that, is that, is that, that's not what I've seen. I've seen someone who had a hat full of decent opportunities and made nothing out of all of them and then shushed a keeper on a penalty, uh, which you lost 2-1 to. The best moment, one of the best moments of the tournament so far for me, uh, in the last game against uh, against Portugal, <laughs> where he had a free kick and uh, oh he basically blazed it and he had no one to moan at. He had no one to moan at because every single time that someone does something, even if they score, sometimes he'll still wave his arms around, gesticulate that he hasn't got the ball. And it's just like, you know, well, this time, mate, there's no one to blame but you, right? You missed it because you're shit, right? And you could see his little face go, I, I, I can't, I, I, I usually moan at someone now and it was on me. Oh, and his heart just broke that little bit and I got real joy out of it. <laughs> I guess for... Well, what I want to say is um, with Italy as well, there was a a sour note in terms of probably Mm. one of their players of the tournament so far, Spin and Zola. He he got injured and he's he's ruled out for the tournament Um, and for several months by the sounds of things. Horrible injury. Given the fact that they're playing Spain in in the semi-finals, do you feel like there is any repercussions of that? Does it weaken them? Yeah. Like he was the outlet, right? He was... was, um... Constantly finding unique positions for the position that he was playing, right? He'd come inside because he was comfortable on his right and he'd always make those runs towards the box as opposed to looking the overlap. I think uh, it's likely that Emerson uh, from Chelsea yeah. will probably take the role in that. I know, like, mm. he's, he the, ain't the, that the, dude. The difficult thing is that, obviously, Spinazzola and, and Insignia had a really good understanding, mm. right? Insignia is basically the... Um, kind of like the X factor of the team to a degree. Right? He's the guy that has the kind of free role that kind of goes where he fancies and Spinazzola and him had a really good opportunity. The thing with Spinazzola is that this ain't his first rodeo when it comes to injuries, right? This is a guy that has already had cruciate ligament surgery. He's had a million injuries in his career. I mean, the cruciate ligament, that took that, he was out for, what, 160 days with that. He's had multiple muscular problems, multiple knee problems. He's, he's torn his abductor muscle. He he's really has been through the wars throughout his career. And this latest one where he's basically ruptured his Achilles, can, Achilles tendon. Is that the same thing that Loftus-Cheek did? Yeah, it's, right, it's not an easy thing to come back from. That. And Spinazzola is, what, 28 as well? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I feel for him. I feel That's for a tough him. one and, because he relied on his athleticism a lot as well. Yeah. It'll be a tough ask to come back from, and obviously he put himself properly in the shop window as well. Obviously, teams were, I think, Real Madrid were linked with him, uh, which you know because I got Carlo, who's Italian. It's just that one plus one. But he ultimate... plays for Roma. He <laughs> plays for Roma, right? So I bet I bet Jose was there going excellent. This this is the anti Luke Shaw in his brain, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like oh, and then he's done. You know, it's like oh. Yeah. So I think that will be a problem. I do. I think it's. I think you mentioned perfectly, uh, Mikey, about the Insigne. Um, sort of relationship because because Spinozaro was so dedicated to get on beyond he's sort of freeing up um, Insigne in, in pockets of space 
because defenders have to make a choice. So I, I'm either going to pick up Insigne or I'm going to have to pick up the guy that's going to run on behind me. So it is a difficult player to replace in that squad for sure. I think that um, I, I, I know Emerson as a Chelsea fan, if it is him, He'd give me concerns. I, I don't think he's quite capable of doing what Spinozola does. He's, he's not terrible going forward. I will say that. He is left-footed. So they do lose that um, sort of cutting in and, and, and taking a strike sort of thing. But maybe you adapt and uh, you can try and maximise using crosses, which, as we know, having seen Spain's two centre-halves, is their <laughs> kryptonite. They are dreadful in the air. Uh, it's interesting because Pau Torres obviously was linked with Manchester United for a moment. Um, I'm not surprised they're not linked with him anymore because he's literally <laughs> Victor Lindelof with a Spanish passport, isn't he? He literally is Victor Lindelof. And the last thing we want is another Victor fucking yeah. Lindelof. So, yeah, glad that rumour's not going, going, going anywhere now. Bring in Varane. Let's put this one to bed, yes? Yeah, it just it makes no sense. He's killing his, his potential transfers this, with his tournament because they are, they are a liability with the ball in the air, which, you know... Oh, when, you say, go from, when you go from a centre-half partnership of PK and Ramos, yeah. right? do you know what I mean? To Laporte and Pau Torres, who couldn't head a fucking apple thrown from a tree. Yeah. yeah I like it. It's, exactly. it's, it's good. That happened once. A, a, an apple this. did fall from a tree and it did hit a man in the head. Um, it, I, I, I'd be interested to see if Manchin does change it up to try and um, use it as a potential weapon. I, I think that, you know, if... if if England do progress to the final and if Spain do as well, I'm sure that it will be a case of uh, saying to the players, let's take advantage of this. Um, in terms of Italy versus Spain, it's a great matchup. Um, I think I've already mentioned that Spain have the tools to be able to beat the press better than I think most of the teams that Italy have played in this tournament. I think they're capable of doing that. Um is Morata capable of scoring against that back line? I wouldn't put money on it. Um, His teammates with Chiellini as well, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chiellini is a fascinating character, by the way, because Chiellini looks like a, a serial killer, right? He looks like he eats a nice, babies. A nice serial but killer, then. Genuinely... His personality is really lovely, man. Like he he's speaks wonderful, really wonderful lovely. Man. He really is. It's, it's, it's fascinating that like this guy looks so aggressive and yet he's such a nice dude. You have loved him ever since. It is the history of the Tottenham. Look, he he endeared himself to every Chelsea fan <laughs> in that quarterfinal uh, result. With yeah, it is the history of the Tottenham. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I had him in my uh, draft team as well. Use my squad at least, if I remember rightly. Uh, Lee, Lee putting in that thirty-seven-year-old <laughs> centre back with, with, the... with Ramos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, if, if, if you're going to put me on the spot, I'd, I'd still edge Italy in this contest. Um, but I do think it's primed for. It's tough to say Spain winning would be an upset, but it would be when you kind of look at oh, how it good is. Italy have been through the tournament and and, and Spain. Spain have been a really bizarre watch at times because I think when you look at the expected goal numbers and the expected goals against numbers, like they're basically the best team at the tournament in sort of the, the overall uh, respect to that. They don't concede many opportunities and they do create a lot. You know, have it, they played it, anyone good yet? Croatia? <laughs> they're not good. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. And you they know, conceded three times. That yeah, they did. They did because their centre halves are garbage, and um, that that is going to be the area they, which the Italians. And, are and if have to there's take one thing that you could of. say about the, with the Italians is they probably maybe do lack a clinical out and out striker. Obviously, I backed Mobile to be top goal scorer, and he started off well, but I feel like he, he he's struggling to. To, to kind of replicate the chances that Italy are fashioning. He's putting them, in terms yeah. of putting them away. Yeah, he's not clinical. Um, I'm trying to think who plays that left-back for... Is it Alba that plays left-back for Spain still, Mikey? Yeah, Alba's basically there, everything. So he's going to have to deal with Chiesa. And Chiesa literally shoots on sight, which against Spain is a positive because their goalkeeper is a liability. Um yep. And I, you know, like Chiesa, and he shoots from anywhere as well. I love is, Chiesa, man. Which is always a difficult guy. thing, um, I think, as a goalkeeper, because like if he's shooting from anywhere, it's very difficult to kind of be prepared for that. Um, so I, I, I think that when you kind of look overall, Italy have probably got the players which are more likely to score. I think the, it, it could be a really engaging battle in the midfield. I think both teams have got um, ball you know, comfortable ball playing midfielders um, on both sides. I think that'll be a really intriguing battle between those. But I think Italy will probably just about do enough uh, to progress. Very quickly, Mikey, your thoughts? Who do you think's progressing? I think it'll either be a really fun game or it'll be a really boring game. Um, I don't think there's a middle ground. I think it's going to be barn burner or it will be just dull as dishwater. Italy will win. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Right, we'll use this opportunity to take a break and then afterwards I think we'll get stuck into the uh, the other side of the draw which obviously features ours truly, the beautiful England. So let's have that break. Okay, right. Well, actually, before we're going to talk about England, let's talk about who their opponents will be because obviously Denmark beat Czech Republic 2-1. So we know who we're playing. We're not playing Czech Republic again, which I think is a good thing. But then we are playing those tricky Danes. As Bud said uh, earlier on, you know, obviously they're they're riding on the fact that you, well, I say on the fact that you know because obviously a, a tragedy happens in within the squad, but you know there, there is no getting around it. They've they've made a they've made progress. They've progressed to the semi finals, which is I think something they haven't done since obviously when they won it in '92. So, mm. how do we feel? Are they're, we worried? The, I didn't want to play them. Um, I think we, I think I mentioned last week that I don't I didn't want to play the team of destiny. Um, in this tournament because they are tough. You know, I, I know this because in 2012, I always feel, I look back at that tournament uh, in the Champions League I'm talking about here, that England's, were, uh, sorry, Chelsea were the team of destiny and they'd somehow managed to get through semi-finals and into the final and, and being heavy underdogs for both those and, and winning those those matches and winning the tournament. And Denmark, I feel like are in a similar spot where they're just on a wave of, uh, of destiny following on from um, obviously a moment of near tragedy and they are using it as their fuel to power themselves through the competition but they are also a really good team as well right I think that they've got a scattering sometimes... of good players haven't they in there they have you can sometimes forget that they're actually a really talented group um, they're, they're organised well by uh, one of the more tactically astute managers in the competition which helps as well uh, they were always going to be a tough out for anyone um I think that the Czechs really didn't do enough on the day. Uh, I think giving up a... I think they put themselves in a two-goal hole. Um, the second goal. Oh, the cross for the second goal. Oh, yes. Outside of the boot. Uh, Charisma-esque. Wonderful. Jackson Charisma-esque. would have been loving that ball. 
because um, that's the wing back, isn't it? That put that ball mm. in. Uh, is it Mailer? I'm, I'm going to be butchering I'm these guys' names. So apologies. Say yes. Uh, he and he he's a player that has caught the eye for, for teams across Europe, much like Spinozola has as well. He's a, I think he's at Atalanta. Um, so a talented kid there. They're obviously strong in the midfield area. They've got a couple of players in there in Delaney and, and Hoiberg who who do make it tough to play against. Um, Christensen at centre-half is continuing what has been a really exceptional 2021. 20, uh, um, I think under Tuchel he improved dramatically and I think he's built on that with his confidence and he's looked like a a really good player in this tournament again. And, and in Dolberg, they've got a player who... Um, Mikey hates, as we found out last which, week. The thing with Dolberg, I, he, he did come through at Ajax right first and he was sort of seen as mm. a potential shining light coming through there and it never quite worked. And it just might be a case that this tournament is his his time for it just to all come together. So it, they're going to be a tough out. Um, they've been playing wing-backs It'll be interesting because the last team that played wingbacks, we adjusted and we did adjust well and we did play wingbacks as well. It'll be interesting to see if Southgate goes a similar route um, because with the wingbacks, um, after 15 minutes, Shaw and... Um, God, it was trippy, wasn't it? Both pins back the, the German wingbacks right in their own half, which completely nullified the threat of them coming forward. So it'll be interesting to see if a similar tactic is, is deployed, but... Yeah, they're not the team I... Would I, that be I don't a bit f- too much respect to Denmark or should we be right to show respect? I think, yeah. Look, it's, it's, it is a tough ask, isn't it? Because I, I don't know. I, I think there's an argument to be made that you stick with the formula that we had on Saturday. And this um, is something Mike mentioned as well, wasn't it, last week, in terms of don't cater to the opposition, let them cater to you. And Denmark will for what it's worth. Um, I, I, I think that if we line up with the system that we played... On Saturday, I would imagine after about 10 minutes, Denmark will adjust and they will probably play into the similar system. that They did that against Wales too. Um, ex, you know, they were excellent with the adjustments that they made. They completely nullified Ramsey and won the game from there. I could see a similar situation where Christensen gets moved into midfield to, to, to do a job on whoever's playing in there, if it's Mason Mount, if it's Jack Grealish, whoever gets the nod in the 10. I just think the thing is, though, is that our attacking players are better. And I do also look at our defensive players and I think they're better as well. And I do think that matters that at either end of the pitch, I just think that we've got better players. I think Schmeichel's better than Pickford, mm-hmm. but I don't think it matters because big Harry Maguire, he's having none of it, mate. He's, he, he, his words and his performances is a man that it's like, this is it. You know, this is this is the opportunity then. Do you think he's the guy that took England up a, a notch in terms of, like obviously, of the first two games with yeah, Scotland? Absolutely. In Croatia, we didn't look great. I know obviously he came in the third game, we still didn't look great, but we've progressed nicely. And as we said, we, we've got better as the tournament's gone on. And I feel like his leadership has probably helped with that. Would you agree? Yeah. I, I, th- I mean, Mikey can talk about how good Harry Maguire is. He's, he's obviously the most disrespected centre half in, in world football because of the price tag and because he's got a massive head. But the, 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 <laughs> tr- the, tr- <laughs> the truth is, he's an ex- excellent, excellent centre half. At defending and also progressing the ball, like the two he, um, key attributes that you need in in being a world class centre half in the modern game. Yeah, he's uh, the thing that you, again, it's like a thing where at the end of last season we don't really know what you're missing till it's gone a little bit, and uh, the presence he has in that area of the pitch, his presence, he's got such a big presence. You know what I mean? Comfortable on the ball, marauding runs, the fact that he can progress the ball thirty yards with a sprint, um, and just panic 
It's not. It's not. Even if he doesn't drag a player of theirs out of position necessarily, the sight of Harry Maguire charging with the ball up the pitch is enough to invoke panic. Where it's like, okay, hang on a second. What, what's going? Do you know what I mean? There's that. Oh, the dog decided to make a noise. That was fun. Um, it's it's panic, and it's it's something that is a positive for for England massively. Um, both ends of the pitch again. Big slabhead does the business from a corner. Doesn't do it for United. Does it for England. I'll take it. That's fine. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, the the word is presence. And when he's on that pitch, you feel safe in a, in a weird way. You know, I feel safe with Harry Maguire. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, obviously, given that we beat Ukraine four nil, do you feel? I guess was the quality of opposition. Does that allow us to kind of measure where England have come? The only thing I would say about this about this victory against Ukraine, um, set pieces. Is in that still our focal point of goals? Three of them were that. Three of the goals were set pieces, right? Yeah. Um, Had two thousand and eighteen World Cup vibes again, didn't it? Yeah, uh, the, the the only thing from this England side that I would like to see more of. I said it against Germany, we didn't really create any real chances other than the ones we happened to put in the net. Um, we need to create more. I do, I do think from open play, we need to have, be a bit more... Um, there needs to be something else there. Because um, I don't think we are uh, maybe as inventive enough as we should be, maybe as, as risky enough. I'm, I'm um, going to assume... There were flashes. I think there were flashes against Ukraine here and there. Some nice, bright moments. But it's not like our players had one-on-ones. And do you know what I mean? It wasn't like we were really, really pounding at the door. This is where I was um, going to say, conf- I assume that RXG is pretty good for the tournament in terms... Well, I say pretty good in terms of that we are taking the majority of our chances. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in terms of the final four, I think that our XG is the lowest, but I also think that our XG against is the lowest. But we always call um, out people like Vardy, who, like, remember last year had, a, you know, the same sort of XG going on. And we said, yeah. how long can it go on for? And I guess Michael's kind of echoing that in terms of yeah, we're being it's clinical. A fair, it's a fair if, point. If you, if you remember, Vardy dried up at the end of the season, exactly, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. That's, the, that's the, the, the good thing for, yeah, I mean, it does tend to bear out, right, over a 38-game season. I, tournament football's a little bit different, though. And it's especially because Kane's warming up, right? Mourinho built a career from winning tournaments like this where they don't exactly play swashbuckling football but they, they they get the result look at Real Madrid Zidane won three Champions Leagues in a row they were I would I would argue heavily they weren't exactly the, the great entertainers that you would associate with Real Madrid at the time as well um, I, I do I do I just want I do want to see us be a bit more um, as, you, as you said Lee and I think you were echoing me I would like to see us on the front foot more mm. and really affect the game with what we're doing. And I think we we showed flashes of it against um, Ukraine. I do think that there was a little bit of a warm. I mean, obviously we got an early goal, which really really helped settle and everything down. Um, I suppose my question for the pair of you is: for the game um, against the Danes, what do you want to see? What lineup do you want to see? I wouldn't change it. As in, you'd keep Sancho. On the wing for a yeah. starters, because obviously that yeah, was one of the notable it's, it's changes. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, Saka obviously has been good when he's played. Um, I think Sancho warmed up into the game nicely. It took, it took a moment, but once he kind of got moving, you could see how good he is on the ball and, and his ability to to run past players. Um, I know Saka has that ability. I just think that Sancho at this moment is the more talented player. So I'd go with him. You're not taking Kane out. You're not taking Sterling out. Um, 
the two midfielders pick themselves at this point. Uh, there's no point meddling with that. Uh, Luke, Luke Shaw is genuinely in the discussion for, for player of the tournament. Uh, I, he is just ridiculous. He's having such such a breakout well, tournament. Uh, I think in terms of I heard he was. Go on, Mikey. Heard he was quite negative. Heard he, heard he was a negative. Well, well, I'm glad you mentioned it, though, because I still feel like in the first half he was. I feel like with Luke Shaw, and I guess I needed to clarify this, and from watching him live in play to watching him uh, in the first half against Ukraine, sometimes his touches are quite negative. I feel like where he can blossom or where he does blossom is when the team plays effectively so that it gives him the option to go on the overlap. And the only way that yeah. can happen is with the team working well. And I feel like in the first half, obviously we won the luck, but... We played in spits and spurts once we got that early goal. Whereas in the second half, obviously, we, we went at him a little bit more. Um, I think, was it the the one where Sterling Plus plays the little the little drag back onto him and he clips it into the box yeah. for Kane? That's beautiful. And that's like his delivery. And obviously, he took one from the set piece as well. That's, that's beautiful, you know. That's oh, a great delivery from a set piece as well. It's a really good set piece. That's why I feel like... What did, we, what did, what did Mourinho say? Well, yeah. sure isn't good enough to be... A set piece taker. I feel like we sure do that out there the basically bright, mugging Jose off, man. That's all he's doing. He's basically taking Jose's words and using them as fuel to fire him through the tournament, man. It's just, he, he's been genuinely brilliant. Uh, I do look at the right back. Carl Walker is just... Well, this is the thing. We, look, haven't, we haven't got a balance, have we? Because no, I mean, Shaw's well, delivering on the left, but... Uh, maybe that is the balance, right? Because Sancho is an island player in, in, in the sense that you can give him the ball out there. He doesn't need an overlap to be able to do point. what he needs to do, right? And I, I think that there is a case that the uh, sort of this asymmetrical shape with keeping Walker back to cover, because um, that's what he's really good at. He's not very good going forward. He's very good at covering. And this is it. Ukraine's um, best, most positive attacks came down Walker's side. Because Sancho, to be fair, was just leaving him free and open um, a lot of the time. And that's where Ukraine were getting a little bit of joy. Um, and like you said, Walker can deal with that. Obviously, other than the slight brain fart where he tried to play it back to Stones and uh, didn't get enough pace on the ball. That was a little bit worrying. Um, but, you know, I, I agree. I think with Luke Shaw, I always think there's an element with him where he, he has to play himself into the game. Mm-hmm. And I think Luke Shaw's version of playing himself into the game is to just, you know what? I don't want to lose the ball. And he's going to keep it steady, keep it happy. And I do think that, because he does the exact same thing for United. Um, him and Maguire have quite a good understanding in that, um, in that area. And you'll see them play the ball to a lot, a lot to each other. I think, I think Luke Shaw just plays himself into the game without trying to do too much at the start. I think he's more intelligent than I think people give him credit for sometimes with his, his, his um, to, to understand how a game is going. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think he takes the opportunities when they arrive inevitably they'll arrive a little bit later on when there's tired legs and he can because he's quite a fit guy as well yeah, which is just surprising is. Um, and I think he again uses that to his advantage to, to a degree as well so yeah I do I do take what you mean though. he does play it he, he'll pick up the ball and then play it back quite often which yeah can be seen as being negative for sure let's, let's well yeah let's go back to your original question then we, so we've, we've got Luke Shaw at left back we said the, the centre-backs pick themselves and I guess the midfielders pick themselves is right back mm-hmm. up for for grabs? Do you think Walker continues there? Trippier maybe? I, I'd, keep it, I'd keep it steady for what it's worth. I don't think it's worth um, throwing a Trippier in there. I don't think it's worth putting Reese in there. I just don't... I think that once there's a level of rapport amongst the back four players... Because the thing is, it's worth noting. On the left-hand side, you've got Shaw and Maguire play with each other week in, week out. Equally on the other side, Walker and Stones play with each other week in, week out. And I do think that there's positives that they know what the other's going to do. Like, Maguire knows 
where Shaw's going to go, right? So he can pretty much know if he gets the ball where Shaw's going to be. And I think it's equally the same on the other side with Walker and, and Stones. I think I, I just wouldn't meddle with that. I think that that core set of goalkeeper back four and the two central midfielders, I just don't think that's worth messing with. Um, in terms of the 10, I thought Mount looked a bit tired. Uh, watching him, he didn't look his usual energetic self. I don't know if that's from not playing minutes or what. Um, I do well, think he was still of a stuck. long season. Yeah, I mean, he's played a lot of, a lot of minutes for Chelsea. Um, I'd still start him because of what he does that the others won't do, and that is the unnoticed dirty work early. And then I would still keep Grealish in my back pocket for when I need to impact it differently. Right, I, I just think that that I, I would probably proceed with pretty much the same eleven. I, I think the only question I think Southgate will have is, does he bring Saka back in for Sancho? That's that's really the only position I could see. And personally, I would ride with Sancho. Uh, I mean, Southgate talked glowingly about his poor performances in training, and I think now that Sancho's got a taste for it, I thought Mount and Sancho had moments where their lack of minutes together sort of shone through like it looked like one was looking for the ball to be dropped off it wasn't and then if it was it they weren't quite mating and I just think that more minutes there that'll click and it, that'll be really effective um, so that, that's kind of where my head is I, I just think that you go again um, don't mess with a winning formula it'll be like I said it will be interesting if he's tempted to to change it to try and pin uh, wing backs back because it worked against the Germans I just wonder if we should be the team, as Mikey alluded to last week, to be like, fuck that. They're going to have to basically mm. deal with what we can do. The aggressor. Um, just lastly, I guess, on England and something um, I guess we... Pro- hey, wait, 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 wait. What's your team, Lee? Uh, I'm very much in agreement. The only one that I would potentially maybe think about is Walker. If I fancy maybe giving mm. him a little bit of a break and bringing Trippier in, because I feel like mm-hmm. it's relatively like for a bit. Then, as you said... Trippy's in there for his set piece delivery, mate, and now we've got well, no, Walker's pace. Shawberto Carlos, mate. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but Walker's pace would be missed. Um, I just don't know if the Danes have got anything that would punish us pace-wise. So, so I think that's where the right hand side is. Where I wish this guy had a name I could pronounce. The, the wing back that that put on that incredible. Now, admittedly. I think standardly he plays from the right hand side because I think he's right footed, so he may well play the other side um, of of the the pitch. I'm not too sure why he was playing that side because obviously the reason he put in that ridiculous cross with the outside of his foot is because it ain't his strong side. Um, so, but like he he's a constant outlet, right? He's he's I think like a a proper threat. Um, so I'd be looking to. You know, if he is playing Walker side, perfect. I think Shaw would deal with him as well for what it's worth. I don't think Shaw's the kind of player that will let you down really defensively. I guess that's what you shouldn't forget as well is the fact that Denmark did beat us quite recently. A blight that we had 10 men when Maguire got sent off. But is there anything to be a cause of concern as well? As well as playing on ITV? I think it's beneficial <laughs> that they beat us in a way. Um, because I, I think that just gives an extra sort of note to the players, mm. you know, It'd be very easy for a level of complacency to slip in, right? Because we have, um, on paper, the better team. And, and the game has been played on paper, cliche, right? So the players need to remember this. It's very easy to get up for a Germany game. Yeah. Very, very easy. Look at France, right? A bit difficult to go up against a Switzerland or, or a Denmark. You know what I mean? When you expect mm. to win the game, 
Um, I like the fact they beat us. I like the fact the players know what they're dealing with. I like the fact that the players know they're going to have to play well. Um, there is a level of expectation now. We win this, we're in the final. If I, if, I could put, <laughs> if I could put one little dampener on it, and something I did want to mention earlier is, and you guys alluded to it in terms of Schmeichel, is obviously the stronger keeper out of the two. I thought Jordan Pickford had a couple of shaky moments in the second half against Ukraine. And it shows that, you know, whilst he, he seems to have matured, there's still that element of concentration lacking with him. That kick, right? The the yeah, the, the kind of air well I say air kick he managed to what get a little bit on it but fuck me and there was a couple Admittedly, more as well later on after that and that's what concerns me. His positioning me. for that for what it's worth was actually really good because mm-hmm. he was prepared to be out there. I I just wonder if because at that point we were properly belting Ukraine at that point. I just wonder if that's what happened there. That his his, his, his he, that's he's what made, worries me. That's what I'm saying with his concentration. Yeah, and it, it's a fair it's a fair point, right? But. Uh, he's he's going to be playing and he's he's come up with big moments when he's had to uh, this tournament in terms of saves he's, he's not conceded a goal you know it's, it's, all I uh, hope is that we're not speaking next week talking about how Pickford fucking cost us basically is what I mate if Pickford cost us mate you won't be on the show next week <laughs> <laughs> okay so I, I guess before we move on we're all saying England are going to progress then maybe can I get a score prediction out of you 3-0 Ooh. Uh, I, I think it'll be a tight affair I think 1-0 mm. I think 1-0 and I think Kane will get it I think that goals change strikers right you, you can see that he the, the, the way he took that opportunity um, on, on Saturday night early in the tournament he's double guessing that right we, we saw it we saw it against the Germans where he passed up taking like an opportunity on like that to just post you know Toe poke it past the goalkeeper, and I think I, I do think in that situation, I don't, there's, I don't think he literally had any other option. Oh no, no, no! But ultimately, he, he he was in the right position. He was awake. Yeah. He 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 reacted sharply to Sterling's really good ball. Yeah, I mean Sterling, very good ball. Sterling's had a really good tournament, really, and doing those sort of moments, those coming inside, he drew four players' attention. You know, when you see the highlight back and there's four players just watching him and Kane is off the shoulder of all of them, it's just, that's the dead, he's clearly a concern for teams to play against. Um, so credit to him. He looks like a, he looks like a different player actually for England. I think that it matters more to him. Mm. I think there's an element that City. <laughs> Does Man City matter to anyone? Fair. <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> that's a fair point. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean. I think that you get sort of a different player a little bit with with Sterling for for England than you do for for Man City. He, he looks. I think that he's a system player at City. I think that he plays a little bit more on the instinct for England. Mm. Still lacks some technical ability, but his pace does tend to also be feel, able to bail him out of yeah, that. Yeah, and also feel he's uh, he's matured quite nicely as a player. And he, he's, he feels like he's been around for a long time, but he's still only twenty six. But um, maturing like a fine cheese, yeah, eh? Exactly, a fine cheese, a tasty cheddar, okay. you might say. I'll give you. I'll give you a little little hint. He ended up being my my winner of the week, actually. So. Um, oh. And before we get on to winners and chumps from you guys, we'll take a short break, and then when we do that, we'll come back. We'll just discuss your uh, winners and chumps, okay? So, where am I going first for a winner? Or do we want to kick off a chumps? I'm going to put it out to you guys. Where do you want to go? Chumps or winners first? Chumps. Chumps. Uh, yeah, on, I, I'm going to hit me with one. Uh, English, English referees. 
Michael Oliver, is that where you're going with him? Yeah, Michael Oliver, English referees in general in this tournament, have basically, every time I've watched a game and there's been an English official involved, there's been a dreadful decision. And can, I, can, I, I, can I make a decree? Yes. You know, we have the hall of, what is it? The hall, what was our hall of scumbag shit, shit, crew? It was the shithouse hall of, of The shithouse hall of fame. Can we have a hall of garbage? <laughs> Right, which is trash goes right. Michael Oliver is the first official inductee into the Hall of Garbage, the closet of garbage. Yeah, is Michael Oliver the one that once got himself a trendy haircut? He's the guy that shaved two lines in his hair. He's the one that that Joe Hart squared up to. He's the one that Andrew Di Maria tugged at his shirt. Um, Michael Di Michael Michael Oliver is a bitch. Right. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a horror. Hey, he's the guy that you know, you know, got picked last at school for everything, and he decided to become a referee so then he could be in control of it all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's the guy that he's the guy that whose mum bought him like a football, right? So he could be popular in the in the playground, and then because he still didn't get picked, he took his football and put it in his bag and went home. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to be stolen from him, and then he'd be all like mopey about it. He'd go home and say, "Mum, they stole my ball again," and she'd be like, "Okay, I'll buy you another one. See if you can fit him with the kids." Uh, he's like an odious cretin as that guy okay so Woods that's your, that's your chump then Mike have you got one for me Romelu Lukaku oh, um, I feel like I cut you off earlier when you were talking about Romelu Lukaku is there anything that you want to add this is your moment you know if you want another rant no no I said it all last week I don't, I don't want to get too disparaging on the guy look he's, he still scores goals um, scored goals for Man United Um but he's also dreadful at football. So, you know, that's the, that's the, that's the kind of the, the, the thing you kind of have to weigh up, I suppose. Are you going to have an aesthetically pleasing player that does well for the team? Or are you going to get a selfish tapping merchant? Tricky. Tricky. A guy who his physical attributes almost dictate that you, sh- you should expect a certain style of play from him. As I said before, the ability to hold up the ball. Um, and he's the guy that when... Uh, you know, he came out in interviews and said, actually, I prefer, I prefer running in behind. And it's just like, well, there's plenty of players that do that, son. Quicker players. Players with better touches than you. You know, <laughs> utilise your strengths, a.k.a. your strength. Um, yeah, like he's, he's got concrete shins. Awful player. Fair enough. OK, uh, my, my chump is, and it sounds a bit harsh to call him a chump, but it's, um, it's Spinanzola, because... <laughs> I, what exactly? Did me? He's a chump because I think he was on for player of the tournament. If and I think it, for what it's worth, I still think Italy are favourites to win the tournament. And I'm backing them to beat Spain. And I'm probably going to back. Well, let's not get carried away. Let's not get there. Am I right but in hearing? I'm gutted for him, wait, mate. Wait, wait. I I remember. Now you may be able to prove me wrong here, Mister Collard. I remember someone telling me after the first one or two games of this tournament that Spinazzola hadn't really been impressing. I can't remember which one of you said it, but I remember coming in and saying, actually, I think he's been playing quite well. One of you... Not, not me, mate, because ne- literally, I'm going to confess, I'd never even heard of the Giza prior to the tournament. And yeah. Someone on this show said that they weren't impressed with him in one of these games. And I was like, hang on a sec, I've been quite impressed with him. Don't know who it was... Eagle-eyed listeners, if you could uh, listen back a few Woods shows. Woods is very quiet know. over there. I'm, I'm going to say it's Woods because I don't Mate, think it's I, me. I'll put him up for player of the tournament against Mikey and Paul Pogba, so it can't be me. It's, not, it's definitely not me, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I'm old, Pogba, sure. I feel you're <laughs> not hearing things. 
I mean, I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I, I, I do challenge one of our listeners to go back and have a listen. Well, bear in mind that I've only pretty much been on two European shows. Or European, like... Yeah, because where's the commitment, eh? Where's the commitment? So I'm pretty sure I can dig it out from the first one, from when we pretty much did the first round of games. But Okay, yeah. Hit me up with uh, some winners. I'll go to you, Mikey, first. England? It's just, just England. Well, of course, man. We're into a semi-final, having not conceded a goal, running up the score in a quarter-final. Come on, like literally, if someone had said to you before the tournament, this is what's going to happen, and by the way, we will have barely played the likes of Grealish and Foden, so they're fresh as daisies. Like, it's and also, like, obviously, even the scary things before the tournament, oh, Maguire's not fit, this is going to be dreadful, Kane's looking well, shit, no, that- Sterling's been woeful for City. Look, they've all resolved themselves, haven't they? If, hey? if someone said to me before the tournament started that England will go this far without conceding the goal, I would have probably laughed, because I think we all agreed that was our weak area of the squad, was the defence. Yeah. yeah. Especially when Maguire wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 there's no look. I can try and be cute and come up with some, you know, wonderful little side story or what have you. Or this person should be the winner of the week. Blah blah blah. Uh, it, 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 it's England. It's England as a whole. England as a team, not the country, because the country's full of scumbags. <laughs> but the um, yeah, the Gareth Southgate is England squad. Well done. Well fucking done. Mm. Bring on the semis. Okay. Sorry, I've thought pops in it, but how come we did not have Prissy Patel as one of our chumps? I feel like maybe that would have been maybe an obvious summary for me to go. She doesn't deserve the airtime. Woods hit me up with a winner. Uh, Southgate, because Mm. I think he became the most winningest coach, I think, in English, England history, which (laughs) it really does tell a lot. Is that that a word? Yeah, it is. Um, (laughs) American sports alert. In uh, knockout football, I think he's won more games um, than. Uh, any other England manager which is ridiculous that he's only been at two tournaments he's already done that he's taken us back to back semi-finals and um, did you see the little um, video they put together with Southgate on the BBC no so they had this little uh, thing pre-game and um, talking they used a lot of clips over time with Gareth um, obviously going back to like 96 and everything that kind of the fact that obviously what the story effectively was is that all he wants to do is be successful for England, and obviously he was um, the goat. That's an American term as well in terms of uh, seeing us out in Euro '96, and that probably hurt him more uh, than most players because of his obsession with wanting to basically. Because I think Neville even said it perfectly. Uh, when you think of some players, some players are like club players, but with Southgate, he was a, he was an England player first. You don't think about his club career. Um, and I think that there was kind of like he, he, I think he sort of suggested that he's hoping that finally he's able to kind of lay those ghosts to rest, that he's been able to kind of win this over. Um, and to be fair, like he's got an incredible opportunity and he, he spoke at length about that, uh, that this is an opportunity that has presented itself. We've got two games at Wembley to win to do it, to do an it international at Wembley trophy. as well to do it in our, on our soil as well well it's worth noting fuck all Danish fans are going to be there on Wednesday because of the COVID rules like generally it's, Twitter is amazing um, because England are, are so hated in this tournament because of the fact that we just got home advantage that I, I think there's a genuine fear that England are going to win this because they know I think I spoke about this for 25 years We've rose-tinted glasses spoke about the boys of 96. A team that didn't even reach the final. 
mm. right? Just imagine how we would be if this team actually went and did this. You know, like how different these players' lives will be in a moment, you know, if they if they win it. Like it's we we put these these guys of 96 on a pedestal for what they did in that tournament when when football came home but it didn't um and for those guys they'll probably be excited as well because they won't have to answer uh interviews about dentist chairs and missed penalties anymore they they, they won't have to anymore they kind of, uh, sky did a bit and it was a series that did you watch this one, Mikey? The, the whole was way this through. The fellow that the fellow that went round and his van. Found all the, yeah, right. Yeah, proper damp squib of an end. No one turned up to the party. Like literally, it was so dreadful. Like the down votes on the video. But I watched all the way through, and it was quite interesting to see because a lot of the players wanted nothing to do with it. Tony Adams wanted nothing to do with it. David Platt didn't want to talk about it. All these players just don't want to talk about it anymore because it's all they get asked about. And I think that for them, they're probably like, please, please get over the top and, and, and finally deliver an international trophy to, to, to the England. Uh, mm. Because that monkey, that is gone. They won't talk about the boys in 96 anymore. They'll be talking about this group. And like I said, for this group, it will be incredible. They're still young enough to kind of kick on. And sometimes winning that first can galvanise and... Um, Read kind of uh, any doubt and builds confidence going into tournaments, and they're only eighteen months away from playing in the World Cup. And there's still a lot of this squad had... that were in the 2018 World Cup, which obviously suffered a semi-final yeah. loss. So you like to think that might spur them on, i.e., the likes of Harry Maguire. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's it's an incredible moment. Like the one thing I remember also looking at this weekend is the depth in quality in our squad. It's ridiculous. Like we, you spoke about, it, Mikey, if you can play a court final in a European Cup in the Euros, smack a team four nil so hard that basically you, you you rotate the squad and give everyone an outing, and Phil Foden and Jack Grealish don't get on the pitch. Like, how much quality have you got? Like, it is it is like a genuine. I, I feel when you look back at um, the golden generation, as they were called, the the team of the two thousands. Their biggest problem was outside the 11, was the drop-off. When Rooney got hurt, it was Darius Vassell, you know? And now that's kind of changed a bit. I know, I know it's probably a bad example to use a strike because the drop-off is Calvert-Lewin after Kane, but like it, I, I feel that if Sancho, for example, wasn't to play, it's okay. We've got like a three, four players that can fill that void. Equally in the midfield, if, uh, if Rice was to get hurt, Henderson can come in, Bellingham can come in. There's obviously positions of weakness where I... I, I Neville said it perfectly. I, I do think Harry Maguire really is uh, the Jenga piece for this team with everything that he brings. It's, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time really for the England national team. They've got such a great window now, especially because there's other teams. Spain aren't in one, right? Uh, Belgium are coming out of theirs. Germany are out of theirs. That this group of players are now really just kind of ironed. We spoke about this um, away from the pod, but Argentina and Brazil not the teams that, that you'd be fearing at all. It's really looking at France and their player quality, where they have no camaraderie. Um, and, and, and obviously, what we're seeing obviously at this tournament is Italy, in a way, because of the fact that they are a, a unit. But to man, to man, I still think we're the better team. Question, and this will be the last question I have. Of the evening, when, like, the England team now, you look elsewhere around Europe and you're like, yeah, they're just not very good. 
you know what I mean? Like you look at Spain, ah, oh, they're, they're a bit shit. You look at you know the Holland, who Argentina, Brazil, but they're like, ah, oh, they're not very good. You know, are England really like? It's like England seem to be the best team here. This is kind of strange. Do you think like when Spain were dominating? Do you think they their fans looked at it and went, yeah, just the other teams aren't very good, or did they think no, we're just better? I do think that yeah, has like, to be because there, there's two ways of thinking about it, isn't yeah. it? Like, is it a case that everyone else is shit, so you're just the best by osmosis, or is it the? I don't know if I've used that word correctly. Or is it the fact that you are everyone? There's still a good standard, but you're just fucking brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Like, what would you... If we win this tournament, it would be very interesting to see how people think of it. Because obviously the natural English reaction is, best in the world, you know. But then if you look at it with your football lens on, is it a case of... Do you know what I mean? I'd argue that there's... I'd argue not every English fan is like that. And you're best in the world. I, I feel like there's an element of pessimism. I think we've all had yeah. that, you know, going into this tournament and even during the tournament as well. Yeah, and maybe uh, I'm thinking. I'm thinking more of the. Um, <laughs> I think I'm thinking more of the. Uh, let's say the, the Brexity type. Yeah, thing. I because yeah, I, 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 I do think there is that pes- absolutely. There's the pessimistic look of, oh, it's England again. They're gonna. I mean, the fucking three lines is literally all about the, the fucking failures exactly. we've had. Do you know what I mean? That's, but, uh, you know, and that's the, the the best song. But I do think that that degree of England pride, as it were regardless of how it's channeled, I do think that's more prevalent in a lot of the areas of the country than it has been for quite some time. That's why I'm saying that, you know, there is still going to be large swaths of the country who are going to be like, if we win something, it's going to be because we're the, we're the best in the world. Look at us, you know, we didn't need Europe. Now look at Europe. And that's gonna, I think there's going to be quite a lot of that, if I'm honest with you. There will still be the fans that are a bit more learned. And it's like... Well, they're your true fans, they, aren't they? You know? I mean, to use the example that you gave in terms of when Spain probably looked at their teams in 2008, 10 and 12, whenever they were winning those tournaments, if I remember rightly, they had literally a host of world-class players across the pitch. I Maybe it is because I, I am the pessimistic England fan. When I look at England, I feel like we are top-heavy in terms of we've got glittering talent but I wouldn't say we've got world-class players this year. Maybe you could argue Harry Kane, but then we didn't see that early in the tournament. That's, that's that's my view. So I feel like I I don't feel I don't look at England in that way. I feel like England are functioning well as a team and maximising their potential. I think France are a top heavy team. I don't think England are. No. If that no, I think I think France are I very think top heavy. Once you get past, I feel like Jordan. We mentioned Jordan Pickford. He's, I don't think he's a very good goalkeeper. Stones. He he's liable. Yeah, to but mistake. like the thing, you know, I think you're probably touching on a point about general quality in world football which is something I think Mikey's spoken at length about which is I don't think we're in a really high standard era right Mm. when you say Pickford's not very good I don't look at Hugo Lloris and go exceptional Spain haven't got a goalkeeper you know (laughs) Neuer is still between the sticks with Germany because they haven't got anyone better to put between them I think that when I've looked at this tournament the one real world class goalkeeper I looked at is Donnarumma and that's because I've barely really watched him. I've watched him for Italy. I, I can't sit here and tell you that I've watched him at length for, for Milan. But like I've been really impressed with him in goal for Italy this tournament. I just, just, but I it's notable that... Mikey has spoken about this. Like I, I genuinely think that we're in this really strange time where when they, we talk about world-class players, I think that there's only really a small handful of them. I do think France has quite a few of that, that handful. And this is where, but this is where the issue lies, right? Because you look at some of the world-class players for France, or I'll use it world-class in inverted commas, right? You would say maybe what Mbappe's, mm-hmm. absolutely, probably, maybe is he there at the moment? Who knows, right? But like, 
there's the argument in my brain anyway in terms of world football now it's very much what what managers want is consistency mm-hmm. you want seven out of ten every single week here is the system this is what you do in that system i can rely on you to do that job in the system the days of um ronaldinho's jj Koch's, you know the players that are magic Lionel messi to be honest with you those players don't exist anymore because they don't fit in systems um, it's very difficult. Like Lionel Messi has an entire system built around getting the best out of him. Cristiano Ronaldo has an entire system built around getting the best out of him. Those p- players now don't really seem to be get given the chance to earn that right to have a system built. Do you know what I mean? Um, I think the closest you're going to see that is maybe Erling Haaland because he has been a prodigy at ridiculous at, at, at very you know a young age. Um, I think there is a degree that players don't get given the chance to express themselves in potentially the way that they used to be able to. Because what? Instructions back when I imagine Ronaldinho was breaking through was go and have fun. And he basically just got on the pitch and did whatever he wanted. And that was basically enjoy himself. Um, it's one of the aspects I'm really intrigued to see with Jaden Sancho at Man United. As with every Man United fan over the last week, I've watched a countless youtube highlights of the guy right where he does outrageous stuff on the on the rig right he basically is mugging off defenders left right and center is he going to get to do that at man united i don't know <laughs> you know you look in training and you see rashford pulling out all kinds of tricks doesn't do it for united he runs in straight lines at man united so i do think there is a degree that systems in in world football are more prevalent than individual players characteristics and you could argue and sorry i was going to say because i want to move i basically i want to end the, the show sorry. soon because you're rambling on now you could argue that the four teams that are in the same <laughs> sorry i'm sorry for rambling on yeah wow just k- kick a man while he's down eh <laughs> all right the wrong, wrong Riley, i'm gonna mute myself Good. <laughs> wow okay um, although I was just going to support you in terms of saying the fact that you know the, the teams that are in the semi-finals, they're all they're all teams that play in the system. Would you allude to the fact mm-hmm. that Denmark obviously have one of the more tactically astute managers in the tournament? Italy are playing yeah. a, a very high press system, and I feel like you know. But ultimately, if it is the two favourites that do go through, i.e., Italy and England, it would be because they've worked as a team and not because of individuality. Yeah, and I think that's that's that is kind of where we are with world football. Um, Barcelona have the best individual football in the world, and they're garbage. You know that I, I think that when you look at Chelsea's success in Europe uh, last year, it was built off team, right? It was team. It wasn't a case that this team was littered with uh, world class players. They, it was a case of the team beating um, teams maybe that were reliant on individual brilliance more than the others. I, I think team is is more than ever the best way to get success. I think that. Yeah, I, I kind of think that with the, the rise of superstar manager, I think that's kind of where we got to, right? Um, the manager tends to be the, the king. I think, especially in this country, I think we've got a minor obsession with managers. Um, and we're fortunate because we've got the best of the lot, in, really, in Pep, Klopp, uh, Tuchel. Ollie. Ollie. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm mute for that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, think, I, I do think that system... Because you talk about Klopp, right? Liverpool literally a system team that get the most out of not necessarily world class players, right? I don't think Mo Salah is a world class, but I think he's a very, very good player. I don't think he's world class, but I think in that system he's world class. I think if you take him out of the system, he'd look pretty average. Michael's now talking, but he's still on mute. 
fucking mute. I was going to say, you sounded a lot like Jamie Carragher when you said that. It was really, really uncanny. I enjoyed that <laughs> Jamie Carragherness there. Yeah, that was quite good. Um, Lee, do you want to wrap this yeah. show up, man? We're at one hour 28 into it, an hour and a half show on the money, bro. We only had four oh, games well, to talk about. And I, well, I wanted to wrap up on one hour 20. That's why I was kind of, that's why I used the, probably the wrong expression of rambling, but it's like, I really want to go because I'm hungry. Um, yeah, I, I hope basically that when we next reconvene, We'll be talking about England as winners because I'm, I'm assuming that we, we as boys, we're not going to do a show in between. We're going to do one next week. So basically we'll round up the semis and the final. And yeah, I guess, I guess I, I, I'm going to end it quite swiftly and say it's coming home. It's coming. It's coming somewhere. Excellent. Boys, it's a pleasure. Listeners, thank you for listening. I'm off skis. I'm hungry. And I'll see you next week when England are winners. Goodbye. Arriva Dirty. Arriva Dirty. Uses Arriva Dirty when we'll be losing to Italy now in the final. <laughs> nah. Nah, I'm just waving them off, mate. Arriva Dirty. Yeah, fair enough. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply